Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. We want to pray to God to give us understanding today out of 1 Kings chapter 9. I'm going to read verse 1. The Bible says, So Solomon finished building the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do. Did you hear that last sentence? He completed everything that he had planned to do. How amazing would it be if you were able to say about your life, I completed everything I planned to do. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Solomon Had It All. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. God, I pray now by your spirit you would anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. God, I pray, Lord, that you would have me speak things that would encourage, that would rebuke God that would correct that would bring instruction Lord I pray you'd be our teacher today Father I pray you'd fill us with hope God I pray that you'd pour your love out on us Lord I pray for every person God who is going through right now that you would show yourself as a strong and mighty deliverer God I pray for every person that has been through Lord that you would let us glory in you and give you all the praise in Jesus name amen Solomon had it all if you study through the book of First Kings, if you read Samuel and you learned about David and how David was the, the biggest, the baddest, the strongest, the best, the most amazing, the most awesome king in the history, uh, he was the second king, so there wasn't a lot of people to overcome, but he definitely overcame Saul and ended up being the greatest king in the long run of kings in the nation of Israel. But Solomon is born into the right family. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands because somebody might know your mama, your daddy, and your family, but I know some of y'all have thought in your lifetime, I was just born to the wrong crew. And maybe you didn't think it that way. Maybe you thought, man, what if I could have been born into that family? If I'd have been born into that family, listen, if you're born into a multi-millionaire family and you're broke as a joke and end up on welfare, you're just a mess up. I almost said something else, but you you just a mess. You just, you just raggedy. You just no good. You just blew it all, okay? All the people that come from money, they go to the right schools. Listen, Solomon came from the wealthiest family in the world, the most powerful family in the world. He had the best education, the best schooling, the best surroundings. He had it all. But that doesn't always mean that you're going to win in the end. And if you don't hear anything today, I want you to understand it's important to win in the end. You need to win in the end. Wherever you're at in life right now, you need to be eternally minded, and you need to have a goal before you. Put verse 1 back on the screen for me, Deacon. The Bible says, so Solomon finished building the temple of the Lord, comma. Always pause on the punctuation. If you're going to study the Bible, you need to learn to pause on the punctuation. When you see a comma, that's cause for pause. When you see a period, that's the end of a sentence. You need to rethink about these things, and you need to get them on the inside and digest what God's Word is saying to you. So Solomon finished building 
the temple of the Lord. Comma. That's a great statement. That's a great accomplishment. His father wanted to build a great and a mighty temple to the Lord. This temple stood for hundreds of years and was seen by millions of people. This was a glorious and a majestic place. When I travel, one of the things I like to do is look in the area that we're traveling and find out what type of Catholic churches are, are standing. I was born as a Catholic. Now, I'm not Catholic anymore. I'm saved, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. But, man, if you go to some cities, especially in the Northeast, that have buildings that have been standing for a couple hundred years, they might have a basilica. Now, if they have a cathedral, that's cool. But if they have a basilica, you need to put that on your tour list. You need to go, and I mean, man, you walk into a Catholic cathedral, a Catholic Catholic basilica, you see the just the glory all over. I mean, the beauty, the majesty, these buildings are incredible. But listen, they are nothing compared to what Solomon's temple was. God uh, put it in Solomon's heart to build this temple. His father, David, wanted to build it. But God said, no, you shed too much blood and done too much dirt. Listen, don't do too much dirt that God doesn't let you do what you want to do. David was great and mighty. David was anointed of the Lord. David's the key figure in the Old Testament as far as people being close to God. But he didn't get to do everything he planned to do because he had too much dirt on his hands. See, the, the Bible says that Solomon finished building the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. Man, if you read the first eight chapters of the book of 1 Kings, you're going to find out this dude spent a lot of money on this palace and on this temple. It was incredible. It says he completed everything he had planned to do. Every parent, well, every good parent, wants their children to surpass them in very many areas. We want our kids to be more successful than us. We want our kids to have easier road than us. We want our kids to turn out better than us. We want our kids to have more of every good thing that that God could give them. And Solomon completed everything. He exceeded his father, and his father was the most powerful man in the world. David wanted to build the temple, but David didn't get to do everything he planned to do. Solomon completed everything that he planned to do. So Solomon has this great start to his life, born to the right family, all the right education, all the money, everything that he could possibly ask for, and he got to complete everything that he planned to do. Verse 2 says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he had done before at Gibeon. If you study the Bible, you'll find out that the Scripture says that we have these stories for our example so that we can learn from them. This is why we read the Bible, so we can learn how God deals with people and how God deals with us. You say, well, what does how God dealt with Solomon have to do with how he deals with me? The Bible says he's the same all the time. The Bible says he doesn't favor one person over the other person, but he treats everybody the same. So how God treated Solomon is the same way God will treat you. If you do what Solomon did, you can have what Solomon had. And Solomon had God showing up. This is a good thing. Say good thing. God showed up to Solomon on multiple occasions. And we need to be living the type of life where we can say, man, God really showed up this week. God showed up this week in my situation. God showed up this week in my finances. God showed up this week in my relationship. We need to have God showing up. 
If we come to church and God doesn't show up, then we had an okay time, but we didn't have a hallelujah good time. We need God to show up in the church service. Now, what's he going to do? He's going to write his name on that wall in a sharpie? He's going to stand up in here and just, just dance and shout and scream at us from, from, the, from the pulpit, from the stage? From the, no, he's going to show up where you are. See, God appeared to Solomon where he was. And some people will leave here today feeling like God spoke to them. And other people will leave here today feeling like, I don't even know why I go to church. Or I'm tired of abundant life and Pastor Scott. But if you will set your heart and your mind to receive from the Lord, anytime we gather together, God promised, if we gather together in his name, he'll be here in our presence. God is here even now. God is right here even now. It's your choice as to whether you allow him to invade your space or you shove him out. Solomon was not shoving the Lord out. Solomon was pursuing the Lord. And the Lord showed up to Solomon again, even as he had done before at Gibeon. Verse 3 says, the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your petition, period. I'm going to take you slow through this. We're going to get out early because I don't have a lot to say. But I'm going to take you through this phrase by phrase because this is how we learn. When we do Bible study on Wednesday night, we take it slow. We go phrase by phrase. And I want to have that type of look at this passage today so that you can get down in your spirit what God is saying. He said, I have heard your prayer and your petition. In his prayer, petition is when you ask for certain stuff. Your prayer doesn't have to always be petition. Sometimes your prayer can be thanksgiving. So it, it, this is not being redundant. This is being specific. God said, I heard your prayer, and I heard what you asked for. How cool would that be? How cool would it be if you knew for sure God just heard what I asked for? God heard that. I know God heard that. See, why do you say that, Pastor? Because sometimes I pray, and it doesn't feel like, eh. Say, well, you're supposed to be the pastor. I am the, I'm not supposed to be the pastor. I am the pastor. But I'm honest with you. Pastors aren't perfect, and our prayers aren't magic dust. And if you be honest, sometimes when you pray, you feel like, ah, you know, I prayed. but I, And then other times you pray, and you're like, whoa, man, I was talking to God. And God was talking to me. God tells Solomon, son, I heard your prayer and your petition. This is great news for Solomon. He said, I have set this temple apart to be holy. This place you have built where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. Solomon planned to build a temple. Solomon had, it took him 20 years to build this temple, over 20 years to build this temple. It took a long time. It took a lot of effort, but he got it done. Listen, don't think because the thing that you got in your heart to do hasn't been done yet that God's not going to do it. You need to have a not yet mindset. When, when you think about your kids that are still out there wayward, that haven't come to Christ, you don't need to think about the fact that they haven't come to Christ. You need to, you need to hold on to the belief system that they haven't come yet. When you think about your finances and the condition you're in, if you're paying tithes and giving offerings, you don't need to think about, well, my finances aren't where they need to be. You need to understand the promise of God. Your finances aren't where they need to be yet. I wish I had somebody that was listening today. When, when you think about where your relationships are, you don't need to think about that your relationships aren't fixed the way you want them to be. You need to think about the fact that they're not where they are yet. Somebody say yet. I want you to get a not yet mindset. When, when you think about what, what you have to do, Solomon knew what he had to do, but it didn't happen overnight. 
It didn't happen without a lot of work. It didn't happen without blood, sweat, and tears. It didn't happen without him putting everything he had into it. And if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. Are, are you willing to, to, to work every day for over 20 years to get what you're believing from God? Most people never worked every day for 20 years about nothing. What did you ever, what job did you ever work for 20 years? What, what job, listen, you, you, uh, some of y'all can say, oh, I work for the school board, I work for the union. Some of y'all can, listen, the only people that really worked every day for 20 years were people that was in the military. Because they, they don't get days off. I mean, even if they, they claim a day off, do you realize on your day off as a man in the military, a woman in the military, when you go off base or even on base, you still have standards you have to account to. So some of you ha understand what it's like to work every day, but most people never worked every day for 20 years at anything. Solomon worked over 20 years every day trying to get this temple built. And if you will do what he did, you can have what he had. God will honor your effort, but God will not honor your laziness. God will honor your faithfulness to him, but God will not bless your mess. So many people are confused why their life is struggling and wondering why God won't come through for them, but I need you to hear me. God will not bless a mess. David was a great and mighty man. David was close to God's heart. David always pleased the Lord, the scripture says. David had anointing power. David had all that stuff, but he didn't get to do everything he wanted to do because he had too much dirt on his hands. Sometimes we don't need to wonder why God's not coming through for us, and the reality is we need to wonder why we're keeping dirt on our hands. Uh, it takes honesty to get to the place I'm trying to get to. He said, I heard your prayer. You built this thing for me. I'm calling it holy. I don't put my name there to be honored forever. I'm going to always watch over it. God said, boy, what you did for me is dear to my heart. You ought to realize that if you live your life faithful unto God, your life is dear to God's heart. You need to have a sense of awareness that says God knows me. See, they write songs that go to the top of the charts because there's truth and validity in them sometimes, like the song that gave a lot of people hope and encouragement when they heard, He knows my name. You need to understand, He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows the love that you have for Him, and He knows the dirt that's on your hands. He knows the love that you have for Him, and He knows the struggle that you're going through. He knows that you believe in him, but he wants you to cry out even as others cried out, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Solomon did something great uh, for the glory of God. He got it accomplished. He started something, and he fit. Listen, a lot of people start something, but don't finish something. Solomon started it. He got it done, and God says, man, it's dear to my heart. Look at verse 4. He said, as for you, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness, as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, stop right there on this verse. If you have been listening to my teaching for any length of time, and I believe that God has anointed me to teach his word. Anybody agree with me on that? I believe that God has anointed me. Listen, you don't have to agree with me on everything, but if you come here any length of time, you're going to realize that no matter what they can say about Scott Becker, God has anointed him to make this word plain. I prayed as a young man when I was first ordained 
that God would anoint me even as Ezra did. The Bible says Ezra stood up on a pulpit of wood and he read the word to the people and caused it to make sense. That's what we're about here when we read the word of God, causing it to make sense. And if you've been listening to my teaching for any length of time, I've been showing you things to look for so that the word will make sense to you. Now, if you know what the answer, the right answer to this question is, I want you to say it out loud. If you've been following my teaching and you read this verse of scripture, one word is going to pop off that screen to you. Anybody know what that one word is? If. If. Say if. I've been, and it's about promises. It, I've been telling y'all for years to, when you read the Bible, look for the words if and find out if after the if there's a then. Because a lot of promises in God's word are offset by the words if and then. If you do this, then God is going to do something else. And I told y'all, I'm going to tell you again, if we do the if, God always does the then. It's on us to do the if. You don't have to worry about will God do the then. If God says if and then, you do the if and watch God do the then. God told Solomon, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness as your father David did. Okay? If you read it, slowing it down, as for you, mm, God is a personal God. God had something specific to say to this one person. I want you to know God's personal with you. If you will be listening to God, if you'll be working for God, if you'll be leaning on God, if you'll be faithful to God, he's going to talk to you and have a word specific for you. God had a specific word for Solomon. He said, as for you, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness, comma, mm. this is the condition God is putting on Solomon. Follow me with integrity and godliness. Now, if Solomon was here in 2017 living on the west side of Jacksonville or coming to church on the west side of Jacksonville, and he said, man, God told me if I follow him with integrity and godliness. Now, this ain't integrity compared to the people around you. This is what God calls integrity. This is not godliness compared to 2017 standards. This is godliness compared to what God calls godliness. See, I have a rule in my family. I don't push this. We, we, we got deacons and elders that don't follow this. I don't push this on anybody. My rule for me and my boys, we don't go to rated R movies. I'm not telling you you shouldn't go to rated R movies. That's just me. I figure if the world says this ain't really good for children, then it ain't no way in the world good for children of God. That's just me. That's my thing. That, that's a standard that I have set for me and my children. But that to, to try to establish some levels of godliness. But I understand this. If God said, Scott, you need, to, you need to have godliness in all your movie-going choices. Do you know PG-13 may be offset in some of God's standard of godliness? What are you saying, Pastor Scott? Our standards and God's standards aren't always the same. God didn't tell Solomon, if you follow Scott Becker's level of godliness, I'm going to do some cool stuff for you. He said, if you follow me with integrity and godliness. If Solomon heard that and he was living where we're living, he would think, I'm out. Can't, who, who in the world could do that, God? You're asking me to do something that can't be done. And God knows the thoughts in our heads and the thoughts in our hearts, so he followed it up. He said, as your father David did. What, what does that tell me? What God wants from us is doable. Look at somebody say, it's doable. 
So many times the enemy wants us to think, I can't do what God wants me to do. How in the world am I going to do? Listen, I, if we really just went down the road and found out how many people in this room were, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm going to do some hand raising on my own. How many people in this room were, were born into jacked up families? How many people in this room were born to broken families? How many people in this room got caught up in drugs and alcohol? How many people in this room have been incarcerated? How many people in this room suffer with some emotional damage? How many people in this room legitimately have PSTD? How many people? It, listen, it, you think about all the different issues you have, and, and you're going to realize, or you're going to have an open door in your mind for the enemy to tell you, you can't do all that stuff. You can't do all that stuff. You can't be what God. How are you going to, with all your issues, ever be the man, the woman God wants you to be? I want to tell you something. When God asks us to do stuff, it's doable. It is doable. God wouldn't command you to do something that wasn't doable. That's just foolishness. That's bad fathering. And God can never be convicted of bad fathering. Listen, if you play hide-and-seek from your small children, you make yourself easy to find, or you're just a bad parent. When, when Jacob was growing up as a small child, he beat me in every game we ever played, and he just thought he was awesome. He beat me in every foot race we ever ran, and he just thought, I don't, either he thought he was really fast or his dad was really slow. But he thought, listen, he thought he was winning. And he was winning. Why? Because I made it doable. I would hang with him or be in front of him to the last, and then I'd sag back and let him win. You say, you should have been harder on him. Listen, I've seen parents. I know a kid in this church whose father beat him one time in a basketball game by ones and twos, beat him 100 to nothing, and then mocked him in front of the entire YMCA over it. Child was nine years old. Nine years old. Grown man beat his own son 100 to nothing and felt good about it. That's not good parenting. Can we agree with that? God is not going to beat you 100 to nothing in anything he's asking you to do. What am I saying? What God commands us to do is doable. That's why when God put this qualifier on Solomon, this if on Solomon, because that if is a setup for a then, that if is a qualifier for what God wants to do in your life. When God put this extremely difficult qualifier on Solomon, and Solomon could have been prone to think that's not doable, God immediately said, as your father David did. Well, what did Solomon know about his dad? He knew my dad, the whoremonger. My dad had at least 8 to 15 wives that we know about. My, my dad had trouble and dirt. All, my, my dad wasn't even allowed to do what I did because he had so much dirt on his hand. Solomon knew that his dad wasn't perfect. So dad, God wasn't telling Solomon, you got to be the best of everything and you got to be perfect to get my blessing. I need you to hear this today. You don't have to be perfect to get God's blessing. You can still be a mess and get God's blessing if your heart is toward God. I believe David have done more sin and more dirt than anybody in this room. If you look at his life, you come away thinking, whew. 
This, 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 dude, this, this, this dude killed the lion and the bear. This dude killed the, the, the giant. Y'all pay attention up here. This dude killed, kill, killed his tens of thousands. This dude overtook Saul as, as the greatest king in the history of the world. But, man, he, he also was, was a coward hiding in caves from his own children. Listen, there'll never be a day in my life or any other good father's life when he's hiding from his own son. Listen. Y'all, y'all dads, y'all, y'all got sons. You got a, you got a strong son, Deacon West. I mean, they put Malachi out there. He's getting it done on the athletic level. But one, one day he may be bigger. Than, you're gonna get, you, you big strong man right now. But you know, you're still young. Well, you're gonna get that furniture disease one day. You got that big old chest. That's why you're the head of my security. That, that, that's why you sit on the front row because you're strong and you're able. But one day that furniture disease, what? Chest of drawers. You remember when they used to sell chest of drawers back in the day? You had chest of drawers in, in your bedroom. You kept your stuff in there. Listen, I don't care how big and swole your chest is right now, Deacon West. One day that chest going to fall all the way down to your drawers. He like, not me, Pascal. I'm going to be working out. Keep living, son. Listen, Solomon knew that his dad wasn't perfect. But he was anointed. I want you to get that in your mind. You can have issues and be anointed. You can make mistakes and be anointed. What, well, you said, Pastor, God won't bless a mess. Why, why, how you say David was a mess? How was he blessed? He was blessed because in every mess he made, he always turned back to God. And you need to learn how to turn back to God. You need to learn how to get out of dirt and turn back to God. If you knew every mistake that I had ever made, we'd have less people sitting in this room right now. But every mistake I ever made caused me to turn back to God in repentance and ask God not to bless my mess, but to forgive my mess. God won't bless your mess, but he will forgive your mess and allow you to move forward. That's what David mastered. David mastered the art of going back to God. David mastered the art of repentance. See, David did more drama than anybody. David did more filth, more dirt. I mean, this dude was treacherous and lecherous his whole life. This dude, I mean, he threw parties. He was wide open. He did a lot of foolishness in his life, but he always turned back to God. That ought to be your testimony. You don't have to do all the dirt that he did, but it ought to be able to be said to you, every time I fell down, I turned back to God and I asked him to forgive me. God told Solomon, if you follow me with integrity and godliness, that sounds hard to do. I hear stuff in churches. I felt as a young Christian coming up in a church, I could never do all the stuff they were saying Christians ought to do. I could never. See, I went to one of those churches where everybody wore suits and ties and drove Cadillacs uh, and, and looked like the perfect people. And I thought I could never rise up to that. I was dysfunctional, came out of all kinds of foolishness, had just recently gotten out of jail and uh, gave my life to Christ. Sitting there looking at all these people, hearing this preacher preach all these things, all these commands, rules and regulations. And I'm thinking I could never be like these people. But then I realized these people ain't like these people. They just mastered the art of being a phony church member. And ever since God ordained me to be a pastor in this church, I decided I'm driving out phony folk. I am driving out fakes. 
That's why pastors say, Scott, I, people say, Pastor Scott, I just like that you, you keep it real and raw. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to continue to keep it raw because, listen, religious fakes don't like that. People wonder why I get along better with some street people than I get along with some church people. Listen, it ain't because they're street or church. It's if the street person is real and legitimate and honest about where they're at, and that church person is just fake, phony, and as hypocritical as they want to be. I got nothing for it. Listen, I'm going to get on that guy's nerves. Oh, bad. Phony people hate me. Why? Because I expose them. They've been hiding in churches, pretending to be just a lily white and pertinent. And then I come in and I put my finger of salt on their open wound that they thought nobody saw. And that bothers them. Listen, David wasn't no phony. David wasn't nobody trying to act perfect. David wasn't somebody all dressing it up to say, look at me, I've never done anything wrong. He did more wrong than all of us, but he always came back to God. And God told Solomon, you got to be like your father David when it comes to integrity and when it comes to godliness. What made David a man of integrity and what caused David's life to be characterized with godliness? Certainly it was not all the murdering he did. Certainly it was not his whoremongering. Certainly it was not his adultery. Certainly it was not his cowardice. It was not the actions of his life, but it was the attitude of his heart that caused him to be acceptable unto God. That's why I'd rather have a church member that just blows it 75 times a month but always comes back to God than some person sitting there acting like they never do anything wrong and faking it every time they come to church. God told Solomon, if you would just do the good things that your father did, David didn't really do a lot of good things action-wise. But he did a lot of good things intimately between him and God. See, this is why you shouldn't judge anybody. Because you don't know what they do after they mess up. People could have looked at David and said, ain't no way he loves the Lord. Not with all that whoremongering. Not with all that foolishness. Ain't no way in the world you can convince me that he's anointed. No way in the world you can tell me that God is, is, is being honored by this man when I know what he did. Or I was the one he did it with. Or I was the one he did it to. But you don't know what he did after he did it to you. You don't know what he did after he made it. Listen, it's not about how many mistakes you make. It's not about how many times you fall down that characterizes whether God is on your side. It's about are you willing to get up and keep moving? Are you willing to get up and say, God, I'll do it again if you'll help me? God said, if you'll be like your father David, if you'll obey my commands, decrees, and regulations. Look at verse 5. He said then, whoo, had an if. Now we got a then. You need to spend your life reading God's word looking for if and then. You need to spend your life reading God's word looking for God to tell you what you need to do so that you can get what he wants you to have. I've told you so many times, these churches, they stand, hold, again, every service, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and, and I can do what it says I can do. That ain't really all the truth because we're typically not what it says we are. 
we typically don't have what it says we can have, and we certainly don't do what it says we can do. What they should be saying is, this is my Bible, and if I do everything it tells me to do, then I am what it says I am. And if I do everything it tells me to do, I can have. But see, there's qualifiers. There's if and there's thens. And here comes the then for Solomon. God said, if you do all that stuff I just said, then I will. You do the if, God will do the then. I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. This is what a king wants to hear. This is what a wise person wants to hear. Wise people, see, young, immature folk, they chase fame. They chase fortune. They chase stuff that makes them look good you get older you get wiser you really become somebody that has something you start thinking about a word called legacy you start thinking about legacy you start thinking about the totality of your life and what's going to be like after you leave what are you leaving behind what's your legacy going to be see some of you right now if you died today your legacy would be total jerk Can we be honest? We, uh, we're going to be honest. If you died right now, some of your legacy would be fake, phony, drug addict, whoremonger, porn freak, uh, lazy, no good, non-Bible reading, bad parent. Just because you're coming to church, that don't mean you got it all together. You say, well, are you talking about me? Well, hey, if the shoe fits, put it in your mouth and chew on it. It is what it is. If, if that's where your legacy is right now, listen, you need to do something about it while you have time. Don't let your legacy end on a bad foot. Don't let your legacy end where people look back at you and say, I just wish that she would have got it together. One of the greatest men in my life, Deacon Garland Whaley. You remember Deacon Whaley? Deacon Garland Whaley, one of the greatest men in my life. He took me in the first month I got saved and became a father. I never had a father. I never had a man in my life outside coaches that cared about me. Uh, this man, first Christian man that ever showed me the, the path to God. And I preached his daughter's funeral 20 years later. And I sat with him and his wife. And they said, you know, she never really fulfilled all the promise that was in her. She never just really pieced it together on her path. Listen, I love that girl, and, and I wish she would have got there. Don't let that be your legacy. Ask somebody else to preach your funeral. If, if, if that's your story, I'm going to stand up over you, and I'm going to say, don't be like her. She had great promise, but she never gave God his due. She never did all the things that mom and daddy. Well, don't let that be your legacy. Let your legacy. See, if you ain't thinking about legacy, you ain't mature yet. First, get to the place where you're thinking about legacy. First, get to the place where you're thinking about what are they going to say about me when I'm gone. Not because you have pride, but because you desire to leave something that shines on God. When God told Solomon, man, if you do this, then I'm going to establish the throne of your dynasty forever. They're going to talk about you and what you did for God forever. He said, for I made this promise to your father David. One of your descendants will always sit 
on the throne of Israel. Look at verse 6. But if, oh, there's that word again. If, see, if and then can come on the upside or on the downside. It can be on the good foot or the bad foot. If and then, if you do this, then God will do that, can make great promises for you. But if you do this, then God will do that, can make great disaster for you too. So we live in a world of if and then. But if you or your descendants, mm, we got a responsibility to those coming behind us. Because those coming behind us can mess up our legacy. Those coming behind us can, can taint what God did in our life. And damage the legacy that we left. God said, if you or one of your descendants abandon me and disobey the commands and decrees I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, hold it right there. I'm going to let you in on a little something. Solomon didn't have to wait till his kids messed it up. He messed it up for himself. You don't have but certain control over how good your kids' lives turn out. Now, they are in large part going to be what you make them be. Well, I just believe I just let them grow and, 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 and you know, I just kind of leave them alone and let, they'll find their way. That's foolish. The Bible says the children left to himself will bring his parents to shame. It's our job as parents to do every bit of molding, shaping, correcting, instructing, guiding, discipline. Make it work. Make it work. I told my children yesterday, I said, no, that's, that ain't even y'all's fault. That's my fault. So something went wrong. I said, that's, that's, that's on me. Yeah, and, I, and I asked him, I said, you know why that's on me? That's on me because I ain't beat y'all enough lately. <laughs> you forgot. And then I started thinking, I tried to start remembering. When's the last time? I couldn't remember when's the la last time that either one of them received any form of physical discipline. And I said, that's on me. I ain't, I ain't going to get to that place. I, I don't know if they got any, any physical, none in 2017. Uh, I don't know if they, what they got any in, two, but I tell you what, I told them I'll put a belt in every room in this house. It ain't going to be on me again. It's going to be on y'all. You ain't going to mess up. It ain't going to be on me because I've got to do my job as a parent because I can't let y'all grow up to be lazy and sorry and raggedy and out of shape. Solomon didn't even have to wait for it to be on his kids. He made it be on him. Listen, we study these lives, these examples, so we can know the good to do and the bad to avoid. Look, look, look at verse 7, see what happens. He said, y'all do that? He said, if in verse 6, here's the then in verse 7, I will uproot Israel from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make Israel an object of mockery and ridicule among all nations. See, and this all happened. You study the history, you'll find out every bit of what God just said. It, it, if they go on the bad foot, this is what He's going to do. And if these people were modern day 2017, hyper it's not wrong to be charismatic, it's wrong to be overly charismatic. It's wrong to be charismatic beyond good sense. It's wrong to be charismatic beyond what the Bible says. These hyper charismatic people in 2017, they would look at all this stuff when, 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 when God uprooted Israel from the land and, and when God rejected the temple that He made holy to his name when when God made Israel they, you know what all those people would say the devil pastor the devil messing with my finances no you don't tithe and pay offerings that's what's messing with your finances 
Pastor, the devil is messing with my marriage. No, you won't stop looking at pornography late at night when you think nobody sees you. That's what's messing with your marriage. Pastor, the devil messing with my children. No, it's on you. You don't have a belt in every room, and you ain't keeping them straight with every hope that you've got to keep them straight. It can be on you. And, and it's not on the devil. Stop giving the devil credit for everything. Give God the credit for everything. Why is your stuff in a mess? Because God uprooted what I was trying to do because of my foolishness. People don't like that, but it's the truth anyhow. God said, if you or one of your ancestors don't do everything that I told you to do, I'm going to wreck your world. If and then can be on the good foot or the bad foot. Look at verse 8. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled and shake their heads in amazement. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and this temple? See, they knew <laughs> back then. This, this, is, this is about 1,950 to 1,000 years before Christ, okay? So this is like 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago, they had enough theology in them to know, don't blame the devil for anything. Don't blame the devil for what God is trying to do in people's life. Pastor, the devil messing with my children. They, they got them on drugs and alcohol. No, the Bible says that we sin when we're drawn away by our own lust and entice. And, and sin, sin brings forth ultimately death. Stop, stop giving the devil credit for everything and realize, listen, sometimes parents get their children out of the ditch too quick. I've told y'all that for years. I will not be that dude. Hey, they, 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 I, I'll leave them in there. I will leave. The, my, my kids get in jail. I'll get them out eventually, but it won't be on night one. It might not be on night five. Sit up in there. You're guilty. Y'all know you're guilty. God knows you're guilty. You, you might just have to stay up in there. Beg Bubba to leave you alone, though. Sometimes... God is trying to work something in that prodigal child's life, and the parent gets in the way. God said, man, this thing, this thing's so impressive now, but I'm going to wreck your whole world. If you, if you trip on me, boy, I'm going to wreck your world. God is a good father. See, that's good daddy speak. Boy, if you trip on me, I'm going to wreck your world. If you rise up against me, didn't you, Jimmy? You got, you got a bunch of boys, grown boys. If one of them was to rise up and bow up against you, you're going to flatten them out? You have to. You just got to let them know, I'm the dad. And a good father, hey, if somebody was trying to unjustly harm one of your children, would you intercede and help them? See, that's just good daddying right there. We protect our children, and we, we love our children. We bless them. We get, but we let them know, hey, you rise up against me, boy. I'm going to wreck your world. That's good mama right there. I, hey, how, how many good mamas I got in the room? They ain't going to take that. They ain't going to put their hands on you. Hey, good mother will let them know. Well, I brought you in what? There ain't no doubt about it. That is just good parenting right there. Children, listen to me, young people. Don't rise up against your parents. God will empower. Oh, I think I could take my mom because she, listen. God will empower her with a baseball bat and a frying pan. There is no example in the Bible of a child rising up against a parent that didn't get smacked down. 
Absalom rose up against David. Absalom was better looking than everybody in the land, the Bible says. Absalom wanted him slick dudes with good hair. Don't trust people with good hair. Especially preachers. Good-looking preachers with good hair, move on. Don't, don't trust that dude. Slick Willie conning and scheming on people. Absalom, good-looking dude with good hair. Long, flowing hair. I heard a preacher preach a message one time. He, he was talking about how Absalom died because Absalom was, was on the hunt. He was on the chase. His hair got caught in a tree limb, and it hung him. And, and, and the title of the preacher's message was The Day God Hung a Hippie. I like that message. God said, man, this thing might be impressive now. Hey, look, this is, this is a bad road to hoe. This is a bad way to go. See, because here, here, here's the thing. It, it, it's hard to start wrong and finish right. Okay? It's hard to start wrong and finish right. That's why some of y'all uh, relationships where they're at right now. It started in sin. It started wrong. It, it started messed up. That, that's why some of y'all's kids are where they're at now because you wasn't the parent you should have been earlier in life, and now you're trying to play catch-up on them. It's hard to start wrong and finish right. But with God, everything is possible. Keep that in your mind. With God, everything is possible. Don't let the fact that you started wrong cause you to think that you can't finish right. But on the other foot, don't let the fact think that don't let the fact that you started right cause you to think that you can't finish wrong. Just like Reverend Ike was wrong in the end, Solomon was wrong in the end. Reverend Ike told people, I can't lose with what I use. Well, embezzlement and federal government found a different road on, on Reverend Ike. And 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 Solomon could have had it in his mind. Hey, I started wrong, I started right, I'm gonna finish right. Let me tell you something, silver spoon people. Let me tell you something, people who got it all together right now. Let me tell you, you know, I know pastors, a good friend of mine, pastor in the large, largest church in Clay County. Uh, like, good friend, I know him. Let's be honest. Uh, but we, we came up together in ministry, and he's pastoring one of the largest churches in the country. And this dude is so beyond perfect. I'm telling you, just, just he, he grew up in a Christian home. He, he, I mean, his parents were just phenomenal people, loved God, loved the Lord. He went to private school his whole life, graduated high school on the top of his class, went straight off to college, college graduated college on the top of his class, went straight off to seminary, graduated with uh, two, ba two master's degrees and a doctorate, all before the time he was 25 years old. Uh, he just, I mean, his right, wearing the right clothes, driving the right car, just had, had it all going on, started, started pastoring a, a smaller church, got the job at the bigger church, and this dude has just been lean, clean, mean, straight his whole life. Let me tell you something, though. That does not guarantee that he will finish right. Because it's hard to start wrong and finish right, but there's no guarantee that if you start right, you'll finish right. Wherever you're at right now, listen, whether you started right or you started wrong, whether you had a good beginning or a bad beginning, I want you to know that God can change where you're at for the better or for the worse. I asked my children, I said, what would you rather have? A great beginning of your life followed by a messed up end to your life or a messed up beginning to your life followed by a great end 
to your life. If my children at 13 and 15 are smart enough to figure out the answer, you need to know it's more important how you finish than it is how you start. You, you, you look at Mary Magdalene in the, in the New Testament, she started bad. Ho extraordinary. <laughs> Getting it done. Doing work. Getting it in. Where she fit in. I mean, she was out there. Bad start. There were people that said about her, if the Lord knew what she was about, he, he wouldn't be sitting that close to her. Bad start. But when Jesus rose from the dead, somebody had to be the first person he showed himself to. Somebody had to be the first person to see the Lord in his resurrected body. It was not a king, a ruler. It wasn't somebody with a silver spoon in their mouth. It wasn't somebody who had always made good choices. It was somebody that came deep out of the gutter that fell totally in love with God, and Jesus showed himself to her. Ain't about where you start all the time. It's more important how you finish. Now, it don't matter to me if you had a good start or a bad start. I want you to have a good finish. It's way more important that you have a good finish. Because God told Solomon, one of y'all mess up. You or your children mess up. And this temple looks good now. But everybody passed by is going to be shaking their head knowing God did these terrible things. Look at verse 9. And the answer will be because his people abandoned the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt, and they worshiped other gods instead of bow, instead and bowed down to them. That is why the Lord has brought all these disasters on them. I told y'all, you're going to get some specific statements from me. You're welcome to come. Call the church. You want, you want some real biblical counseling? Listen, two major schools of thought when it comes to counseling, passive and aggressive. There, 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 there is the slow road, and there is the quick road. I do not charge for counseling, although I should. I do not charge for counseling. Average counselor charge you between $280 and $400 an hour, okay? Anybody charging less, not good enough. Anybody charging more is just ripping you off. But that person charging you $300 an hour has one goal, and it is not to get you fixed. It's to get you to come back again next Tuesday for our next session. That's their goal. Trust. That's their goal. When they sit down and, and you say, uh, I need help. I love the Lord. You're a Christian counselor. I need help. I love the Lord. But I just can't seem to get off drugs and alcohol. They're not going to talk to you about what the Bible says about drugs and alcohol. They're not going to talk to you about how to get drugs and alcohol. They're going to say, well, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> and they're going to sit there and they're going to cross their legs. Listen, I ain't hating. But, I, you know, I, I, I just a red flag, man, cross his leg at the knee. There's a red flag on me. They're going to cross their leg at the knee, set their little, 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 their little doodle pad up there, and they, you think they're writing, they're drawing. <laughs> Go to them and ask them, uh, can you tell me what I just said? Uh, 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 <coughs> um, uh, we were talking about your childhood. No, I just said you look stupid. You didn't even hear me. Their goal is to get you to come back. Listen, you sign up for counseling. You make an appointment with me in this church office. Get on the schedule. Come counsel me. My goal is to get you fixed right now. Anybody knows next session? We'll need five sessions to tell you how to get off drugs and alcohol. I will tell you exactly what the Bible says, and I will forecast doom and disaster and God wrecking your world if you keep playing around with God. 
and I will forecast healing and deliverance if you would get right with it. That's all there is. God told them, I'm going to wreck it all. You or your kids mess up. I'm going to wreck it all. Listen, I told you, it's hard to start wrong and finish right. Solomon started right and finished wrong. Think about Solomon. If you read, man, if you if you go up and, and you read even just into the next chapter, in 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 First Kings 10 14, the, the Bible says that every year Solomon took in eight hundred thousand ounces of gold as tribute. Eight hundred thousand ounces of gold. Just on the quick, I did the math. I broke out a calculator. Gold's at about uh, 213 right now, somewhere between 212 and 215. That's over a billion dollars a year just in gold. And he took up more stuff than he took up gold. This dude got people bringing him, just dumping it off, bringing tons of gold, just bringing it to him. This dude had so much money, there's only a you know, so many billionaires in the world, they work their whole life to get on that billionaire list. Solomon's taking this in every year. This dude, I mean, he had more, he had more money than we'll ever have. He had more wisdom than we will ever have. L- listen to what God said in 1 Kings chapter 3. You should have read chapter 3 already this month. Uh, God asked Solomon, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. And in 1 Kings 3.12, God said, I will give you what you ask for. Solomon asked for wisdom. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. Nobody. Y'all don't have that? that ver- where, where is it? Oh, we got 12 and 1 in verse 11. We got, okay. Top. God said, because you didn't ask for money, because you didn't ask for fame, God said another interesting thing because he knows how, you know, High A people really are. He knows how high achievers really are. He said, because you didn't ask for the murder of your enemies. <laughs> uh, well, I keep moving on that. He, he said, you didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for fame. You didn't ask me to kill everybody that, that stands again. I'm going to give you everything that you asked for, but I'm also going to give you all the money. You'll be the richest king that ever lived. But he said that I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. Okay, so get this. Solomon, wisest man that ever lived or will live. Okay? So so what, what, what's the point? We, we can't have what Solomon had when it comes to wisdom. We can't be as wise as Solomon was, but hear me good. We can't avoid some of the mistakes he made. We're not going to be all that. Compared to Solomon, okay, that train has passed. We're not going to be that. Nobody's going to be that. God said he's the wisest man that's ever going to be on this planet before, during, and after, all right? So you can't be as wise as Solomon, and God commanded you to be wise. You can't be as wise as Solomon, but you can avoid some of the mistakes that he made if you're willing to avoid the mistakes that he made. See, even brilliant people can make devastating mistakes. Even pastors can make devastating mistakes. Even people that really love the Lord can make devastating mistakes. Listen to Solomon's devastating mistakes, and we'll get out of here. 1 Kings 11.1 1 says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Whoop. Now, racist pastors use this text to preach against interracial relationship. 
And I'm here to tell you there is nothing in the Bible that says anything negative about interracial relationships. There are interracial relationships all throughout the Bible that God blessed and God honored. I told y'all, you read chapter 1 of 1 Kings, you find out. David was a Jewish man. That's a brown-skinned dude with dark hair. When he was old and dying and feeling bad, they, they took a young black chick and put him in bed with him tried to spice up his mood. Read the Bible. That's what happened. God is not against, thank God, amen, Jeff. God is not against interracial marriage. Racist preachers take out of context. See, bad theology is always scripture taken out of context. He said Solomon loved many foreign women. Well, it's not the problem that he loved foreign women. It's the problem was that the foreign women had false gods. You want to marry a foreign woman? Hey. Do your thing. If you're in the Navy, you probably already did it. But (laughs) that's not a problem. The problem is if they have gods that aren't your God. See, there is a command not to marry outside your faith. Some, Some people, some men married unsaved women and found out this ain't working. Some women married unsaved men have found out this ain't working. I guarantee you, if you're a Christian and you marry a Muslim, you're going to have issues. And he's going to beat you because that's their law. He loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, who was his wife, he married women from Moab, enemies of God, Ammon, enemies of God, Edom, enemies of God, Sidon, enemies of God, and the Hittites. Listen, you got Ite on the end of your name. You're probably not on God's side. The, 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 the Hittites, the Jebusites, and all the Ites, they, they, that's to stay away from that Ites crowd. And that, that's like, you know, good parenting. They'll let you know, boy, you better stay away from them Williams down there. That ain't, that ain't for you. God had already told his people, do not marry women who serve other gods. It's not a racist issue it is a christian issue look at verse 2 the lord had clearly instructed the people of israel you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods this ain't about skin color this is about belief system this ain't about race and ethnicity this is about faith he said they will turn your hearts to their gods yet solomon insisted on loving them anyway Uh God said one thing, Solomon did the other. Guess whose life's about to get wrecked up? You cannot fail if you do what God tells you to do. And you cannot succeed if you violate what God tells you to do. Solomon had great success, but the train wreck's coming. Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. We got some anyway people living in 2017. Got some anyway people serving God in 2017. We got anyway people living in pulpits in 2017. We got anyway people sitting in churches in 2017. We got anyway people sitting at home calling themselves Christians but doing stuff anyway. Anyway don't work for God. Anyway going to get your world wrecked up. Listen, if you live anyway and God doesn't wreck your world, 
then God ain't concerned about you. See, God didn't tell the, the, the people from Ammon not to marry the people from Poseidon. He didn't care. They weren't his children. They do what they want to do. You discipline your own at a different level than you discipline others. Solomon wanted to be an anyway type of dude. Don't, don't do this anyway thing. You know what God says, but you're going to do you anyway? Mm, there's consequences. There's trouble coming. Look, look at verse 3. We're almost done. He had, oh, Lord, 700 wives. Does he not know? Listen, let me make every woman in the room mad right now. Men, they got drama. They got hormones. If you stay with them long enough, they go through the change. They might be smoking hot right now, but they're going to get that furniture disease too. You say, not me. I got surgery. Uh, doctor's going to tell you no eventually. 700 wives. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Listen, the average man can't keep one woman happy. Am I right? The average man, ain't, ain't, he, he ain't together enough to satisfy one woman in any area. Keep going because we got children in the room. The average man is not getting it done for his wife. 700. Now, women, think about that. How are you going to marry a dude with 699 other women? And 300 sex slaves. Now, you know, you're supposed to be the, the one. These chicks wasn't one in a million, but they were one in a thousand. What's the day? July 9th, 2017. I got you scheduled back for August 13th, 2020. I'm going to see you in a little about three years. Baby girl, you come on back. What kind of world is this dude living in? And how about these women? They'd be like, hey, 18 more months, I'm going to get my turn. <laughs> With a dude that just ran through with 999 other women. And you're talking about, hey, nine more days, I'm up. Batter up. Hey. And they went through a big old huge process for a week. Taking baths, oil and skin, getting product in their hair. Think black women wasn't in the Bible. Listen, they went through a whole just week of just living in the sauna, getting ready, and they were like, it's my turn. I'm going to get my crazy people. Listen, ladies, what if your man told you, hey, look, girl, I'm going to give you everything I can give you one day every three years. That's not the man for you. But this is what Solomon had going on. It's just reality. 700 wives. Wow. 300 sex slaves. Wow. And in fact, here's the big wow. They did turn his heart away from the Lord. Best start a man could have. The wisest human being that ever lived. And nobody will ever be wiser. You are not wiser than Solomon. I've heard so many people tell me, Pastor, I know others fail, but I ain't going to be the one. Pastor, I know other people have, have let you down, let God down, but I ain't going to be the one. I love God too much to get caught up in some foolishness like that, Pastor. Listen, if it can happen to Solomon, it can happen to me. It can happen to you. 
Don't think that where you're at now prevents you from where you could be. Just because you're on solid footing now don't mean that your, sleep, your steep slope is not just around the corner. Solomon had a great start. He had a great start. He had everything that a man could have. He honored God. He built the temple. It took him over 20 years to build. It was glorious. God said, man, this is dear to my heart. You've done good, boy, and I'm going to be with you forever if you just do right. But he, wanted not, he didn't want to do right as much as he wanted to do anyway. Well, I love the Lord, but, you know, I got to do my so-and-so anyway. Well, I need you to understand today, anyway comes with a price. Don't do anyway. Do God's way. God's not looking for part-time lovers. See, Solomon was cool with part-time lovers. One, 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 one shot every three years. That, this is, that's what's in normal. God is not looking for part-time and unfaithful lovers. God is looking for sold-out, full-fledged, all the time, all in. God did not give the best of what he had so we could give him one day a week. God didn't give his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to be beaten, ridiculed, rejected, abandoned, crucified, stripped naked, and hung on a cross to bleed, suffer, and die for us so that we could just give God a little tip on the side. He's not looking for Sunday Christians. He's not looking for Sunday, Wednesday Christians. He's not looking for six-day-a-week Christians. He's not even looking for 364-day-a-year Christians. You want to be what God wants you to be? Understand this. It comes at a cost. Jesus taught that if you want to follow him, you got to give up everything else to follow him. Jesus taught that you got to Die to everything that's old and come alive to him. You want what God has for you? You won't get it all being a part-time lover. God told Jeremiah that you'll only really find me when you search for me with your whole heart. God is a whole heart devotion. God is not looking to have 700 wives on you. God is looking for a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. A covenant relationship with you. God told us in the New Testament that he views his relationship with his followers as a marriage. A faithful marriage. A covenant marriage. A commitment. Verse 4 says, in Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father David had been. David wasn't perfect, but he stayed faithful to the end. We're not going to be perfect, but will you stay faithful to the end? Or will you have the testimony that Solomon had? Oh, she used to be in church. Y'all remember, she, she, she was doing good. She got straightened up, and she was doing good back out there. Oh, he used to be in church. Uh, we, we thought he was going to, you know, straighten up. Mm, didn't work that way. What is going to be your legacy? Solomon, turn. The women he married turned his hearts to worship other gods. I know too many women that have married men that didn't love the Lord as much as they did. And I've told every one of them, do not marry that man. You do not need anybody to help you do bad. You can do bad all by yourself. Do not marry that man. He don't have a job. He don't love the Lord. His credit is ragged. Do not marry that. Let him get straight. Oh, Pastor, I, you don't know him like I know him. Yeah, well, you don't know him like I know him. 
I, I believe I, I, God sent me to help him come to Jesus. Well, do that before you marry him. Let's see how that works out. Because every scheming slick dude says one. If you marry me, I'm going to be a better man. A month later, he can't be found. Pastor, I, I shouldn't have married him. Yo, you think? Solomon should not have married these women that have served other gods. You see, he thought he was going to pull them up to Jehovah. But it's easier for somebody to pull you down than it is for you to pull them up. And they pulled him down. Watch out who you hang out with. Lest they, well, they're not going to pull me down because I know better. You know better than Solomon? No, you do not. And we all can be pulled down. Solomon got pulled down. Verse 5, Solomon worshiped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, was one of the most wretched, only surpassed by Molech, the detestable god. Solomon went from being Solomon to being somebody that worshiped Molech, the greatest adversary to God's people. He turned his back and became the worst treacherous dude out there. He went from being the man that God blessed more than anybody to worshiping the gods of the Ammonites. Verse 6 says, In this way Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. Last time I'm going to say it, we're done. David didn't do right all the time. That's not what this is saying. David didn't do right all the time. But he followed the Lord all the time. He didn't let his mess up stop him from getting up. If you've been messing up, get up. If you've been messing up, get up. If you're standing up, realize that you're going to fall down one day. But have a predetermination that says, when I fall down, I'm getting up. When I fall down, I am getting up, and I'm putting my eyes back on God. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Well, what did he do? He still was serving God. He just had some stuff on the side. Failure. God is not looking to be your side dish. He's not looking just to be your number one. He's looking to be your only one. So here's my question. I'm done. Are you being completely faithful to the Lord? Or are you mixing in other stuff along the way? I already know the answer because I know me. And I know I'm in this book every day. I'm on my knees every day. I'm searching for God every day. And I still get into some anyway every now and then. I still get into some wrong way every now and then. Anybody else? Anybody says they don't is lying to you. But I can tell you this about me. This is my determination. I will follow the Lord completely until I die. If I die and you come to my funeral, you're going to know. He messed up along the way, but he kept his eyes on God to the very end. My legacy will be he followed the Lord. You need that to be your legacy. Not that you were perfect, but that you never gave up on God because you knew God was never going to give up on you. 
God showed me something this week, and I said all that to say this. Don't, don't flake out on me now. I know it's been late. This is the, this, this the punchline you got to get. Because God told me in December when I was fasting and praying for what to focus on in 2017, God told me that our vision for 2017 would be get, to, be, to get healthy, to get serious about getting healthy in five areas, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, and relationally. And I, on my knees this week, God revealed something to me. You say, oh, it must have been something great and deep and, and, and out there. No, it was, very, it was something very simple and that any child could understand. Earlier this week, I realized that we just crossed over and the first half of 2017 is done. Half the year is done. And I have not gotten serious about getting healthy in those five areas the way I should. I was filled with hope and determination. When God showed me that, I was so excited. And I thank God when I ask him for something and he shows me the answer. I give him glory. I give him praise. I am excited for the vision that God puts in my heart. And I have failed the first half of 2016. What did I tell you? hard to start wrong and finish right but with God everything is possible I don't know if you're succeeding I don't know if you're getting healthier in 2017 spiritually I don't know if you're getting healthier financially I don't know if you're getting healthier physically emotionally or relationally but I, I I'm pretty sure that if you'd be honest you'd admit with me I didn't maximize the first half of 2017. So here's what I'm telling you. Whether you did. See, because I started 2017 right. But I didn't maximize it. And now we're halfway done. So I come here to tell you today. Because the Bible says that if you confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, that you will be healed. This is God's formula for healing. You confess stuff to other people that you're doing wrong, and you pray for them in their need, and God fixes you. Okay? So here's me, July 9th, 2017. I'm going to confess this to you. I did not maximize the first half of 2017. I did not do the things in the first half of 2017 that I had purpose to do. I thought everything in my mind told me that by the end of 2017, God was going to be glorified in these five areas in my life, and there's going to be so much health that it's going to be amazing. And life has happened. Focus gets drifty, and you turn around and you realize half the year is gone. So here's my confession. I didn't do as good in the first half of 2017 as I should have. I confess that to you. I'm praying for you in areas that you need prayer for. And God's going to bring healing in my life. And the latter is going to be greater than the past. I am determined 
to make the last half of 2017 better than the first half. You need to pray for me. You need to confess your own wrongs, and you need to pray for me so that God will heal you. I'm not going to drag you to this altar, and I'm not going to ask anybody who's not 100% rock-solid serious. This is not for everybody. But here's the reality. you got to confess stuff. you got to confess your faults to other people, and then you got to pray for them so that you can get healed. This not for everybody, and I don't want you to come down to this altar in an emotional decision. So I'm just going to ask, if you would be willing to say in real heartfelt conviction, I didn't get the first half of this year the way I really wanted to get it. I fell, I fell down, and now, now you're right, Pastor, the half the year's gone, and I want to admit that I didn't do everything I should have done the first six months of this year, but I want to make sure that I play catch up in the second half of this year. If you would be willing to say, Pastor, there's areas I failed at in 2017, first half of 2017 as well. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to stand to your feet where you are. If you'd say, I, I'm right there with you, preacher. The first half had, hadn't been all that I wanted it to be. I let days and months go by that I didn't maximize. I, I, didn't, I didn't get it done the way I wanted to get it done. This is your confession. God said if you make your confession and you pray for other people, that God is going to bring your healing to pass. So here's what I want us to do. I want us right now to bow our heads, and I want us to pray together, and I want us to be honest with God and admit our failures and ask him to bless the next half of this year. God, we come to you in humble repentance, God. We have failed you, God. We have not honored you as we said we would. We have let time slip by, God, and we are standing in your presence now asking you to forgive us. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our carnality. Forgive us for our laziness. Forgive us for not living every day to your glory. God, we pray for each other now. As we stand together in unity, admitting that we have not done what we should have done with 2017, God, we admit that we have failed, and we ask you, God, to strengthen each other. Strengthen our brothers and sisters, God. Help them to overcome their addictions, God. Help them to overcome their failures, God. Help them to overcome their difficulties, God. Set our feet on a solid rock and fill us with your spirit that we would maximize the last half better than the first half. God, you said if we do what you tell us to do, that we can have your blessing on our life. So we ask you that the latter half of 2017 will be greater than the first half of 2017. God, we ask you that you would forgive Give us for our sins. Cleanse us with the blood of Jesus Christ. Set a new vision for us, God. Set a firm vision for us. Set a determination in us and guide us every step of every day, every hour of every minute, God, that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, God, that we would dedicate 2017 to you and that we would not vary. We would not do anything else, God. We would not be any way kind of people. We won't serve you halfway and do the other way, but we will serve you with our everything. God, you deserve more than we've given you, and we ask you to forgive us, God, and to do great things in us the rest of this year. Our pledge is to do our if, and we know you'll do the then, so we thank you and give you praise now. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.